0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Let me get us situated here real quick. Let's pray, though. Uh, Father in heaven, I thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to worship here today with these beautiful people. I ask that the, um, the word that you've given to my heart would not only uh, be recepted by them, but also by me, Lord. For more often than not, a pastor's word is spoken to himself and the congregation just happens to hear it. So God, as I bring my heart today, I ask that you bring yours, so truth may be shared, conviction may be brought, and your truth revealed as always. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray, amen. And it's true, I am talking about joy today, and how the joy of the Lord is our strength, and what that really gets down to. But to start off today, I have a fishing story for you. Now, this isn't a particularly happy fishing story. This is not the one where I'm saying I caught a 15-foot bass that weighed 45 pounds or anything like that. This is the kind of fishing story uh, that any fisherman would be ashamed to share. So, a, a really fun pastime for me and my mom is just going out and sitting on the lake, enjoying each other's company, and maybe catching a fish or two. But this particular day, it was early spring, and my mom was busy, and so... I was like, you know what? I have my license. I have my fishing license. What's the worst that could happen if I went by myself? Well, if I had to ask myself that question, I probably shouldn't have went. Nonetheless, I go. I look at the forecast for that day, and it it seems like it's going to be pretty good weather. It's going to be just fine. And I get out there, and I see clouds starting to roll in. It's like, oh, this isn't so bad. I'm fishing at George Rogers. And... um, you know, I just bought this new $10 lure that I've been dying to try, and I was like, this is going to be the day to do it. So I put this lure on my line, and I cast it out, and within the first few seconds, it snagged on a log, and it's gone. Like, okay, yeah, this is good. And I've always heard that a, a bad day at fishing is better than a good day at work, but after you hear this story, I would have rather been at work that day. So the clouds continually roll in, and I'm just sitting out there fishing. I'm not catching anything. I'm not getting even a nibble. And as these clouds roll in, I hear a crackle in the distance, and I was like, is that an airplane or is that thunder? And I wait a few more minutes and I'm just standing there and it's getting louder and louder. I'm like, that's certainly thunder. I hope it's going the opposite direction. And then a few minutes later past, I see the streak of lightning shoot, and it's loud boom. And I just look down into feet. Well I happen to look at my fishing rod, and in red letters right on the side it says lightning rod. And I was like, I better get going. <laughs> I don't want to be holding a lightning rod in this kind of weather. So I was like, you know what? It wasn't a, a great day, but I got to be in nature. You know, that's nice. And so the next day, over on the corner of Miller Road and Valentine, there's a small fishing pond, and Alan Kane knows the person who owns it. And I was like, we talk to them, see if I can get out there? So I go out there, and I forgot one of the most important things for a bass fisherman, is a pair of scissors, so you can snip the end of the line and put on a new... Um, lure if you want to. Well, I happened to for, forget mine that day, and so I wanted to change my line, and I was like, what's the worst thing that could happen? You know, maybe, maybe this line is weak enough. I'll just put my foot on the over top of the lure, and I'll just gently pull up. Well, in my gentle pulling up, I snapped the end of my pole. Now, this was no normal pole. This was a $300 graphite open-faced fishing pole that I broke, And my heart also broke that day. My happiness, any kind of enjoyment I have ever felt for fishing, was instantly sucked away. Just a couple of seconds, it was gone. But the issue here was, was I I happy? No. Was I joyful? The answer was still no. What we're going to be looking at today is what's the difference between happy and joy? And how do we utilize joy in our lives so that we might be happy? There is a difference between happiness and joy. The word happy comes from the the prefix hap. H-A-P comes from an old English word, which means luck. So when you're happy, that means good fortune or good luck has been upon you. That also means that if bad things are happening to you, chances are you're not going to be quite as happy just as I was on my small fishing trip. I don't even think I've been fishing since. So the difference between happiness and joy is happy, H-A-P-P, which is like the word happen or mishap or anything like that. Being happy means that the things around you are affecting your level of happiness, whereas joy comes from the inside with true appreciation for something. So let's reflect on my story. Was I happy that I was breaking my expensive stuff? No. Was I joyful that I got to enjoy nature, you know? see maybe some dragonflies flying over the surface of the water or even seeing fish that I possibly can't catch. There should have been a joy deep inside of me. And the thing about joy versus happy is happiness can be sucked away in seconds. But joy is something that's in your heart that perseveres. Even if you lose your happiness in that moment, that you're the only one that gives permission for your joy to be lost. So today we're going to look at a few biblical stories between happiness and joy, and we're going to see what the Bible has to say. So please open up with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. To give a little bit of context for this particular passage, we're going to look at actually verse 23, which in my Bible, it might be different for yours, is on the same page as the beginning of chapter 5. But just to give a little bit of context, see what Jesus was up to in 5 and 4. So in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, it says, And Jesus was going throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And he was healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. So he's preaching to a large group of people who are sick, who are hurt. And he's like, look, my father's kingdom's coming and your sickness will soon end. And he was showing a little taste of the kingdom by healing them of these diseases and of these sicknesses. And if somebody, if I was paralyzed or if I was ill, and somebody came up to me and healed me, I'd be a little more inclined to listen and then so Jesus in Matthew 5 begins to preach a series of sermons over the next 3 chapters, but we're only going to look at 5, lucky for you. So Matthew chapter 5 verse 1 says this, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain and he sat down and the disciples came to him. Verse 2, and he opened his mouth and he began to speak, saying, verse 3, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." Now, this word right here, blessed, comes from the Greek word actually meaning happy. So happy are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's very strange that Jesus uses the word that means happy right before he uses the word poor in spirit. In this particular passage, we're going to see some ironic statements of Jesus, or happy are these people who are suffering because one day they're going to stop suffering. And that's the whole point of teaching the kingdom is that even though you're suffering right now, if the joy that's within you perseveres and you don't lose heart, then the latter is what will come of you. So those who are currently poor in spirit, in verse 3, they're going to obtain the kingdom. In verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Have you ever seen a happy mourner before? Happy are those who are currently mourning. I've never seen a happy mourner. But happy are those who are mourning, for they shall receive comfort. Verse 5, it gets a little more difficult. Blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the entire earth. It's difficult to live in an American society where pride and Self-betterment and competition push forward. And it's very difficult to be humble. But Jesus is saying, happy are you if you're currently humble and you're not advancing as fast as everybody else. Why? Because you're going to have the whole earth someday. You're going to have the entire earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And for a long time, I didn't realize how much of a compelling statement that is. Happy are those who have hunger pains and their throats are parched because they're thirsty. If they're thirsting after God's right, um, rightness, God's justice. Blessed are you if your stomach is just absolutely curling and you can't even speak because it's dry unless you get a sense of God's justice in this world. And if you're continually hungering after that and thirsting for that and going through that hardship, happy are you because you're going to be satisfied. Happy are the merciful, for they themselves shall receive mercy. And this is something else I was thinking about. I, I recently read a court case where somebody sued over... I don't know. What was it? They sued over um, like emotional distress or something like that, which is quite interesting because normally you, um, you, know, you could sue somebody if they wreck into your house or wreck into your car or something. I've never heard of the whole suing over emotional distress... You know, and you know, after I did a little bit more research on that, you could sue people for pretty much anything nowadays. So, but happy are you if in that difficult time you choose to be merciful because you yourself shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart because we live in such an impure world. Blessed are they. Happy are they, because they shall see God. Blessed are the peacekeepers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Verse 9. And how hard is it to keep peace in an unpeaceful world? But blessed are you, for you shall be called the sons of God. Verse 10, it gets a little bit more difficult. Happy are those who have been persecuted for the sake of justice. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Happy are you if you've been persecuted for what you believe because yours is the kingdom. And in verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evils against you because of me. We're supposed to be happy when people persecute us because of our faith. Because Jesus says, if the world hates you, it's because they hated me first. And even in that exact moment, when your happiness is being sucked away, the joy is still in your heart because you're going to inherit the world. You're going to inherit the kingdom. You're going to receive mercy. You're going to see God. You shall be called the Son of God. Or children of God, rather. Happy are you when people insult you and persecute you. And it's just like I can't imagine sitting there listening to Jesus. He just healed me, and I'm thinking, "Wow, I have a wrong idea of what it means to be happy." You know, I'm happy when the McRib comes back, or I'm happy, you know, <laughs> when Schuler's is having a sale. I'm not exactly happy when people are lying about me and saying all kinds of evil against me. But happier you when people insult you. What a strange thing to say. But if you think about it, when it comes to happiness and joy, it's the temporary versus the eternal. The happiness that you're enduring here is hardships. And if you, if you have the unfortunateness of going through the difficulties of Paul and the rest of the disciples, that means getting beaten, which doesn't happen very often in America to Christians, but it happens around the world. And happy are you in that time because this small sense of temporariness Is nothing compared to the eternal joy that's to be received. Amen? And then ultimately in verse 12 it says this Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way that they persecuted you and the prophets, they persecuted, I'm sorry, uh, the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The beautiful promise in Revelation 22 is that Jesus is coming quickly and He's bringing His reward. And it's the Kingdom of God. And we're currently building up that sense of treasure in Heaven and Jesus is going to bring it to us in the end of the world. And that's a beautiful promise. But this is the the momentary versus eternal. This is the physical versus the spiritual. No one can give permission to anyone to take away your joy that's inside you except you. So what Jesus is asking here, he says, do you want to temporarily be happy and comfortable or do you want to receive eternity? Flip with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. To give a little bit of context to this passage, Hebrews 11 is considered the The chapter of great faith. That a huge list of prophets and people in the Old Testament were listed of people having great faith. And at the end of the chapter, it says in verse 39, And all these having um, gained approval through their faith, did not yet receive what was promised, because God has promised something better for us, that apart from them, we will not be prevented. Therefore, in verse 12, verse 1, Sorry, chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, so many great people of great example surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith. What does it mean fix our eyes onto Jesus. And it means that we have such a laser-beam focus that this world possibly can't take any of our joy away. Let the happiness melt away, I suppose. But let the joy remain in your heart. Because with great joy comes great hope. And with great hope comes great character. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of faith. The second half of that verse was, for who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. How was Jesus possibly able to endure the cross, the worst punishment in the first century? It was because there was a joy that was set before him. Jesus could have focused on the temporary. He could have seen the cross because he was carrying it. He obviously saw it. He could have seen that cross and he could have lost heart. The Bible says he could have called an angel legion down to save him. But he did not do that because there was a joy that was set before him. He knew his temporary discomfort, which it was a pretty big discomfort if you ask me. His temporary discomfort meant there would be joy for generations to come. That joy that was set before him is still affecting us today because we're sitting here talking about that great event that happened 2,000 years ago. It was because the joy of the Lord was set before Him. The joy of the Lord was Jesus' strength. He chose not to focus on the temporary, His death. But the joy within Him, He knew there was a resurrection coming. With His death, He knew that He was going to wipe away the sins of the world. But that joy that was inside Him there's a resurrection coming for us. That he'd be king of the world. So I have an example for you. Whenever I talk about eternity, I always have a very difficult time explaining it. One of, the, one of the ways I've heard it explained before was, well, imagine if a seagull, I don't know why it's a seagull, but it is, picks up a piece of sand from a an, um, shore and flies across the universe and drops it off and goes back and forth. And he does that for all eternity. I was like, that was a terrible example. I didn't like that at all. So I have a rope. And I think the rope is a pretty good example. I wish I was clever enough to have thought of this myself. I didn't. I, stole it from, I borrowed it from Francis Chan. And he, he had a sermon called The Ropes of Eternity, and I thought it was very clever. That's well, just going to stay knotted. And this is the rope illustration. That this right here, this little red part, this is our life right now. This is the life that we're currently living. This is the life where you have to endure listening to me for half an hour. This is the life where you get up and work your 9-to-5 job. This is the life where you go to church. This is the life where you go out to eat. This is the life that you live every day. The life that you're building up your 401k or your 403b. This is the life where you're paying taxes. This is your current life. And this is kingdom of God. This is eternity. This is the weight of happiness. If you want to be happy, then go do something else. Because this is what happiness is. But if you want to accept the joy that God has given you, he's saying you can have all of this. And this, this rope doesn't even begin to show eternity. This is a 15-foot rope. This rope would have to be a lot bigger if I were to show you what eternity is. And this life, it says do whatever you can. It's a doggy dog world. Get on top of each other. Fight to the top. Become the CEO of that company. But this life commands us to be humble and to give up any privilege that we might have in this life. And live like Christ. This life says, work as hard as you possibly can, right here. So you can really enjoy this little part right here. Your retirement when you're 65 and over." Or, you can live your life for Jesus Christ. And even when unhappy times come, that the joy of the kingdom of God, the joy of eternity, is not stripped away from your heart. And even if your life is cut to this short, That if you've lived your life for Christ, accepted His gospel message, and shared it with other people, that all this can be yours. And it's so hard for me to think about eternity. A couple years ago, I was in a couple of car accidents. And the reason that I share stories about myself is not because I'm great at being joyful, but it's because of how bad I've been at it, and I want your life to be a little bit better You know, I asked my friend Levi one time, "If I'm just sitting there, people think I'm a very stark person, and you know, I can get giggly and laughy and stuff like that. Most time, if I'm listening, I just kind of stand there." I was like, "Levi, do you think I'm joyful?" And he's like, "You have a very quiet joy about you." I was like, (laughs) "Okay." He's like, "You have a subtle joy. People really have to get to know you to see that." And I was like, "I bet people think I'm depressed." (laughs) A couple years ago. I was in a, a series of car accidents. Uh, the first one, I owned a 2002 Chrysler Sebring. I loved that car. I really did. But um, I was down at the Bible College, and I, it was the semester after my sabbatical, when I was just being flat out disobedient. And I had went back to the Bible College, and I was like, David, I'd like to come back. And so part of my, I don't want to say punishment, part of my, and if you're listening, David, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Part of my, he asked me to do mailings. And if you ever get a letter, it was because I stuffed that envelope, okay? And I'm sorry, I, one, I had to do two mailings that semester. 2,500 envelopes I had to stuff with three pieces of paper. That was very annoying. I love you, David. But as I left that Bible college, because I left as fast as I could, because it took me eight hours to stuff 2,500 envelopes. The traffic was very bad. It was about 4 o'clock in McDonough, Georgia, which is absolutely ridiculous. And I was turning into Subway to get my paycheck, and I got hit by somebody going 45 miles an hour. And my first reaction, my, my airbag didn't go off, so and I, my face didn't hit the steering wheel. It, it really just looks like this. But my first reaction was, why didn't that just kill me? Honestly, that was my first reaction. How stupid of me, by the way, to think that. But why didn't that just kill me? I was so focused on the temporary. I just got done with what I thought had the equivalent punishment to the lake of fire, and I wanted to get my paycheck. And after I got hit, I realized that I had come down with not very much. I had a car finally, that was really nice. But it was taken away from me in that moment. And I was just like, that. I wish that would have just killed me. And then after I thought about it for a long time, I was like, you know how stupid that was of me? So God gave me a second chance to rethink this because about five months later, I got into another car wreck. I was driving a 1992 Honda. It was sold to me by the president of the Bible College at the time, Dr. Joe Martin. Don't buy cars from Joe. And I was driving, and I was heading home for Christmas break, I was in the left-hand lane, and traffic finally broke after two hours. I was in a manual, so it's a whole lot of, you know, just that over and over again. And traffic finally broke. I'm like, I'm home free. And then my back, I just start swaying a little bit in the car. I'm like, this is weird, because, you know, it's beautiful weather. And all of a sudden, I'm spinning out of control. My back axle had, had went out, and my steering column had locked up. And I put in my clutch and my brake clutch, break. it all went out at the same time and I'm spinning on three lanes of traffic after going 80 miles an hour I didn't hit anybody, thank the Lord, but I hit a patch of grass flipped the car three times, landed on top of a log in a logging site and I had opened my eyes and I was hanging upside down, oh this is new but I was this calm I was this calm, I was hanging upside down, I found myself and I got my backpack, I got out of the car there's a truck driver who pulled over on the side of the road. Hey, do you need help? Yeah, I need some help. And so he was like, did you walk out of that? I'm talking to you right now. Yes, get me out of this log. <laughs> so after I was fiddling around with the, the weeds for about 15 minutes, I ended up getting poison ivy. And I did And I assure you that I was the only person in southwest Ohio that had poison ivy in December on Christmas Day. (laughs) And um, this is a whole nother sermon. I didn't take care of it. I should have went and got a steroid shot. I actually ended ended up getting MRSA from it, which that was awful bad, but it was a whole lot better than dying in a car accident. So let's ask ourselves, for my two stories, would you say that there's quite a bit of change that I went through? The first wreck wasn't even... It's really that bad, but I got hit, and my first reaction was, I should have died. My happiness was sucked right out, and so wasn't my joy, because I allowed that to be so. The second car wreck that I had, where I flipped upside down three times, and about 10 inches, this isn't 10 inches, about this far behind my head was a three-inch log that didn't hit me. My friend Jacob Rohr was actually supposed to be riding with me, and after I looked at the passenger door... It was completely crushed in with a glove box, too. And that's the providence of God right there. But I walked away fine. And I had a completely different reaction than I did the first time. I was no longer focused on this, but I said, thank you, Lord, that I have my life. So I was out two cars. And my cars, over the years, are progressively getting older. I currently drive a Buick. I love this Buick, by the way. I, it hasn't done too, too, too many bad things to me. But my perspective changed because I realized the value of my life. I realized what the value of my life was. That God had saved me not once, but twice in five months when I could have easily died both times. My airbag didn't go off again, by the way. And, um, but my perspective far, changed from this little insignificant red blob on this giant rope to where I was like, thank you, Lord. And my joy was restored to my heart. And I realized that even if my life ends now, I will persevere. And I will have joy. Not because, just because God saved me, but He's chosen to give me that voice to suggest today, even in a life where you lose your happiness, do not let this life take your joy away. If the joy that was set before Jesus allowed Him to endure the cross, endure all the sins of the world, then joy can get us through hard times too. If joy gave Him the strength to go through the cross, endure that shame, joy would give us strength too, especially if it's the joy of the Lord. In verse 3 in Hebrews chapter 12, For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you, that is you in the plural, that is you all, y'all, that y'all will not grow weary and lose heart. No matter what happens to us in this life, don't focus on the temporary, don't focus on that little thing that might take your happiness away but allow the joy of the hope that God has given us get us through each and every day. Worship team, come on up. When hardships happen and our happiness is gone, we have to choose that eternal joy that God has placed in our hearts. Let's pray. Father, give us the heart and strength not to lose hope. Steadfastness, and especially our joy. But let us look forward to the return of your Son and the building of your kingdom for that to be our strength and joy. Amen.